Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. For as long as she can remember, the only thing Cami Archese wanted to do when she grew up was cook on TV. She grew up obsessed with cookbooks and cooking shows and hung on the heels of whomever was in the kitchen whipping up deliciousness. But it took her a while to realize that dream, let alone imagine it were even possible. On her way, she had a 13-year modeling career in Toronto and abroad, tasted her way around the world, and earned a master's degree in teaching. But now, guess what? She does food full-time, and she lets us in on her journey. Healthy is Hot community. This is officially the first podcast episode with a guest of the new year. Hello, 2023. And hello to Cami, who is many, many things, wears many hats. But of all else, when I think of you, I think of like cooking expert that is super fabulous at the same time. Like you make me want to have fun in the kitchen and be playful and also just learn to love it a little bit more and have more joy in it. So thank you for bringing so much joy to so many of us, whether it's through your TV segments or people who learn to cook with you or who follow you on social media. But today we get you all to ourselves, the HIH community. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation and I'm excited to be the first one of 2023. Go us. No pressure. No pressure, but this better be great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm so curious, like your love of food, your love of cooking, is this something that has been a part of your life for a long time? Was it a passion that you developed later in life or kind of a burning desire that's always been there, but then finally had a chance to, to grow and turn into this incredible career that you have? Well, that's a great question. It's, you know, as you ask this, I, I have an answer that I usually say, but then something else just popped into my mind. The fact that I was born at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question of when it started, I think this is already, this is just who I am. I've been obsessed with food and table culture since I was like the littlest kid. Like I spent you know, all my free time looking at recipe books, and I didn't even know how to read yet. But I just like, wanted to absorb it. And, you know, it was images of food, and being around certain tables at like, you know, family occasions, or you went to a wedding with your family that really kind of inspired me to want to be able to create that. That's really what it came from. And so, you know, I spent my whole childhood, like with cookbooks and and whatever little cooking show was on and like Julia Child was a huge inspiration for me. Um, that's the reason why I chose Le Cordon Bleu for culinary school. But I found my way to cooking the long way and kind of by accident. Like loving to cook and doing it in my spare time was something that I always just did, but just 
as a hobby. I never considered it as a career or even even a temporary career in any capacity because you know, I come from a family where everybody just kind of has regular jobs, you know, regular jobs and anything kind of outside of the lines with that, that's not really something that we did. So I was on track for, um, to be a teacher, I actually went to school, I have a master's degree in teaching, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And, uh, I was living in Miami and I was actually, um, working, I had a job with this, this hospitality company and life was supposed to look so different for me. I was going to be traveling all around Europe and whatnot with this company. And my last weekend in Miami, a friend asked me to cater a party for him. And so I ended up cooking for about 60 plus people. <laughs> and yeah, just like, cause my thought was like, I don't live here. If this doesn't go well, I'm out. This is not my problem. <laughs> like, you know, I don't have to sit in my shame. I can go home with it <laughs> and process it there. And so, uh, but that night I was like, I pulled it off and I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not taking this seriously? Why am I not, you know, studying this a little bit? So I came home, I uh, went to George Brown college for a few months part-time and working a few other jobs at the time. And then, uh, you know, some circumstances changed in life and off to Paris I went. Wow. That is definitely yeah. not the direct route to becoming <laughs> a culinary no. expert and a chef and a Cordon Bleu graduate, but I kind of love it. Like, I love that it wasn't linear. I love that it was a little bit messy. And I think the thing I love the most is a, you had someone in your life in Miami who recognized how passionate you were about food and also took a massive chance on having you cater for 60 people. Like cooking for six people is something that stresses me out. But this person was like, I don't know, Cammie, how do you feel about catering for 60? I know this isn't what you do. And I know this isn't what you studied in, but like, are you up for the challenge? And you somehow knew in yourself that it was worth taking the risk and saying yes. Yeah. To- like I was hesitant. Don't think that this was like a quick and easy. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, uh, I'm by myself and I don't know and blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, I just, I went with it because I used to, I used to go there often um, for work. I was model when I was modeling, you know, Miami was, was a really big market. And so I would go there for a few months at a time and, you know, whether, I don't know if ironically is the word, but when we would go to the model dinners, I would be, absorbing and like consuming all of the food and being like, Oh, this has this in it. This is that I could do this. And then I would cook for my friends on the weekend. So I kind of had a reputation of being somebody who knew how to cook, but for four people. So was that dinner catering for 60 people, a bit of a turning point for you where you realized you couldn't ignore this desire anymore to make it something legit. Completely. Like, the way you just articulated it, yeah, like it, it became something that I could not ignore. Because I already had the reputation of if I was at your house, Chloe, like for the afternoon or something, and you turned on the TV after I'd been watching, it would have been on the Food Network. And so it was always like that, you know? And I, it's been such a great gift leaning into this passion of mine because it's kind of opened up 
like this whole other side of creativity that I didn't know that I had because growing up, I just associated creativity with art, like Mm. painting and drawing. Like my idea of it was so limited and so narrow. And I just didn't realize that like food was my paintbrush. I didn't know that that was an option. And so I just kind of realized there are so many more options. Was it ever hard though, to kind of allow yourself to take up space in that way? It's taking up space period is always the hardest thing for me. Like you are just, are you my therapist? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it, it, it really, really is. And, and in the beginning, when I, I, I basically took a year off of work. I, I, I modeled for 13 years. And so that was a career for me in and of itself. And I took a year break from that, you know, didn't really give a lot of explanations. And I just like took off and went to Paris. And, um, you know, that was by, by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Like I had never, I'd never been to Paris. I didn't know where I was staying. I didn't even understand how the buildings worked, like how you have to buzz. And then, then you get to the, the, the corridor with that little rickety old elevator that's like 400 years old. And it's like, what am I doing? And, and it actually took me when I got there, I think I arrived a week or two weeks before school. It took me almost a week to leave the apartment. I was so like, what am I doing? What did I do? I don't think I can do this. And there were months like that. So, you know, I didn't have the romantic, fa-la-la-la-la, Emily in Paris experience. I went to school. I, you know, wandered and, and kind of found my way. I was going through a lot at the time. And so, the being in class, being in the kitchen became kind of like my, like a place where I could find that flow, you know, to get in that flow state where you're not thinking about all the things you just, luckily cooking is very immediate and you have to be present. Otherwise you're going to burn it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, you're literally going to fail. So it always kind of like, it, it was my, it was my happy place. It was like my solace. And so it was a really big thing to, to go and do that. And I say like, even if I didn't start this other career, being a food personality, doing that, going to Le Cordon Bleu, being away for that year was the best thing and the hardest thing that I've ever done. I just want to start off by saying thank you for giving us the truth of it, that you went to this place that I think for so many of us, we glamorize, we romanticize. Yeah. Emily in Paris has like, honestly ruined Paris for so many of us. <laughs> I know Paris, I'm probably not going to have the same experiences as her. And I just want to like say thank you for admitting and sharing that it was really hard. It was really challenging, but it was also incredibly rewarding. And sometimes mm-hmm. in life, it's you kind of got to go through the shit before you find like the beauty in it. And sometimes you appreciate the beauty even more because you had to go through so much to be able to get on the other side. I'm also just like blown away listening to you because it sounds like you have lived so many different lives, like the, the masters in teaching the 13 year modeling career, the chef's personality. Like you really have done so much. And it kind of has me wondering, like going back to the taking up space, like because you've lived so many lives and you've gone through so much, like, do you feel comfortable taking up space now? Like being Cammy? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, I, it's just a hard thing for me. That is like a growth opportunity for me is to 
show up as Cami in all situations and to really like take the space that is mine to take. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all have that struggle in some ways and our spaces are different, but it's really important to like take up Chloe's space, you know? And so that's the hard thing. And when I started in cooking, like when I started on TV and doing that, I was still modeling. So what was hard about that was I thought, again, thinking narrow, I'm this or I'm that. Mm -hmm. When I'm doing this, I can't do that. Because it, it, it kind of, it confused people. How many models are chefs? Like that was a thing. It, it kind of seemed like the antithesis, like, oh, you love food. Like I remember once I was on set and I was waiting in the beginning days of the social and um, I was waiting in line to take a picture with the hosts after the, after the show. And this woman who was just in the audience, just watched my segment said to me, she, she turned around and she realized it was me because uh, I had changed my clothes. So now I'm in like a t-shirt and jeans, of course. And uh, she was like, oh, but you don't really eat the food you cook, do you? And I was like, oh, this is, that's the, that's the part that in those days would make me like crawl back into my shell and be like, see, you can't do this mm. and that. You have to choose. And um, I remember, I think it was my second appearance ever on television, it was actually on um, Breakfast Television with Dina. And I will never forget this. She, you know, on that show, you have like a five minute block. It's really short. Yeah. And she took up like a whole minute, which is like a big percent of my time, giving me this glowing introduction, like, oh, you might remember her from modeling on the show, and she's this and she's that. And I was like, this was like the first time that I had somebody else like publicly celebrate the fact mm. that I was more than one thing. So it kind of started my um, proce process, I guess, of leaning into that. Yes, Dina, love Dina. Right. And sometimes it takes somebody else saying things out loud for us yeah. to recognize that there's truth in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes a certain person or a certain like environment for those words to land true, even though I'm yes. sure lots of people in your personal life, like loved that you were so many things, but for some reason you didn't start to see it until that moment. And that probably led to so many other things. Also that lady at the social many moons ago, <laughs> I am so infuriated by listening to that because it perpetuates so many frustrating things about our world, about what it means to be a model, what it means to be a chef, what it means to be a woman. Like it's so mind blowing to me that that person said that to you. And I hope that, you know, times have changed. That was probably many, many moons ago, but like, <laughs> geez, I mean, yeah. first of all, even if you are uh, an amazing supermodel, you still need nutrition. You still need food to survive. Like what a ridiculous thing to say. And also as a chef, you're a chef because you love food. So of course you're gonna. Yeah. Like, Come on now. I just got on set and I just lied to you for eight minutes. Like this whole thing is a farce. Like, what do you think? I went to Cordon Bleu to lie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And I, I, I wonder like with all your many, many, I mean, literally your whole career in modeling and now being into food, like, did you ever have 
perceptions of food that have changed now that you have kind of left the modeling industry and you're really in the food industry? Is there anything you'd love to highlight about your experiences and how maybe we can all look at food in a, in a healthier way? Oh my gosh, absolutely. The, the experience of leaving modeling for that year completely changed my relationship with food and, and it's never gone back. So first and foremost, like when I was modeling, you know, I got into it when I was already in university and it was like, I needed, I wanted a job that I could make good money that wouldn't take up as much time as working retail like I was doing. And I could study because I'm, I'm like just a huge nerd, like give me all the books, let me do my thing. And um, so, but you know, I'm, I'm, I am the size that I am like, this is, I am my mother's daughter. I literally have her exact build and, you know, it was, it was the right size for modeling. So yay, snuck, snuck by, but my, the way I felt about food, I always felt very conflicted and very guilty because, because culturally um, my family is Trinidadian. So the food is rich. The food is delicious. The food is abundant. And you know, we're not known for a lot of salads. Let's just put it that way. And so, you know, I would always feel like this anxiousness before I would, let's say, go do a lingerie shoot or a swimwear shoot, where I would like self-sabotage and be like, you know, the pizza craving would hit. And of course I had to have it. And of course it had to be a party size. And it was a whole thing. And like my body wouldn't change, but I felt mm-hmm. a certain way. And you know, what was hard about it was, you know, every time you go to work, you're wearing somebody else's clothes, you're wearing a sample size, it's not your clothes. So then when I was away for that year in Paris, I had to fit into nobody's clothes, but mine. And it just really, I was eating all the bread, all the cheese, all the meat, all the butter, like all of it, all of the rules of healthy eating just were gone. And I was not thinking about it. I wasn't judging my food. And what happened for me was, you know, I would just like, if I felt sluggish, because I didn't have a gym membership in Paris, I wouldn't even know where to find one then. Uh, this is like 2011. So, you know, data on the phone wasn't free flowing like it is today. <laughs> and so, you know, if you feel sluggish, I would walk to class instead of taking the Metro. But what I noticed was I lost five pounds of what I call like stress weight from simply not judging my food. Wow. So yeah. And since then, like it, th- that's the reason why, you know, people assume because of my past career that, oh, all of my recipes are healthy and this and that. And People can't, like, you might notice that in my recipes, I never use that word. I don't even, it's not even part of my vocabulary. I've literally removed it because for me, I, like, what what's healthy for me is not necessarily healthy for you. And your attitude towards what you eat is really weighs almost as much, I have learned, as what you actually eat. And so if I'm eating the bag of ruffles that I had, couple nights ago, zero guilt. I enjoyed them. I wanted to sit on the couch and I wanted to do that. And the next day, if I choose to move and do what I'm going to do, you know, that's on me. I'm choosing how I want to feel, but like, I just enjoy food. And so even when I want to, you know, 
eat a lot more vegetables, like I'm still focusing on the pleasure of it because I'm going to make them delicious. I just, I can't have it be this, like food can't be a chore. There's just way too much pleasure built into it that I'm not going to rob myself of it. Life is just way too short. Not to mention, you know, we eat multiple times a day, every single day and why not enjoy it? And I think, you know, as someone I've talked really openly about how I struggled with disordered eating for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, sorry, my computer is being weird. One second. Okay. We're good. Um, yeah. So I'm someone who I've spoken really openly about my disordered eating in the past. And it took me a really long time to stop judging food, to stop labeling food as quote good or as bad. And now when my personal approach to food, and of course everyone's journey is different, is I really focus on how the foods make me feel. And I'm with you. Sometimes I love to sit on the couch and order a ridiculously oversized piece of pizza with the garlic dipping sauce and the garlic knots. And I I do it without guilt because I do it mindfully. When I have my pizza nights, friends, I look forward to it. I savor it. I enjoy it. And I also recognize that I might feel a little crappy the next morning, but I've come to terms with it because the enjoyment and the pleasure of actually sitting down and enjoying it like over overcomes the icky feelings I might feel the next day because my stomach, like, you know, is like, what kind of, yeah. but I'm cool with it. Cause I do it mindfully. And I also really am present when I do it. And then I also crave, you know, nutritious foods as well, because they make me feel energized and vibrant. And like, I can go out and take on the world, but it took a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of therapy and a lot of like really examining my thoughts and my beliefs around food to get to a place where I try and it's not always perfect, but I try not to judge the foods I eat. And as a result, I'm enjoying foods so much more. I'm enjoying mealtime. I look forward to getting texts from my girlfriend saying like, let's go out for dinner. It used to be that texts like that caused me so much anxiety. And I was truly robbed of like a lot of quality of life before because of all the anxieties I had around food and never again, I, I I'm with you. Life is too short. Food is such a beautiful way of bringing people together or carving out time for yourself that I'm with you. I feel like we got to just like go in and enjoy food. And I kind of love that you're breaking the mold. And I love kind of love that you're still surprising people when people find out that you were a model for 13 years. I know now you cook foods and some of them are fried. Like what? Yeah. It's fine. And because, because you know what it is too, one of the things I learned while I was modeling, you know, I also grew up watching a lot of fashion stuff. We would go to the malls and watch any fashion show. My mom loved that stuff. I grew up on fashion television, shout out to Jeannie Becker and Glenn Baxter, love them. Um, But I grew up like having those women on pedestals and uh, especially the Toronto ones, like I, when I finally started working with them, they're like all like big sisters to me now. And they're just lovely, lovely, lovely women. But being in that world, you realize how these men and women that we are idolizing as perfect are struggling just the exact same way as you are, you know, feeling anxious about food, not liking that part of their body and all of that. So if if the perfect ones are still struggling, then why am I going to be literally killing myself to be like that when that is still not going to 
solve my problems or make me happy. So have, and, and I guess I have the fortune of having been so intimately connected with that world that I saw behind, you know, the, the, the curtains. And I could see that like, this is not the thing that is going to make me valuable or worthy or anything. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know about you, but whether a guy had a perfect six pack was never the thing that attracted me to anybody. So why am I holding myself to that standard? Oh, I'm just going to do a little, a little snap, snap moment. <laughs> so powerful. No, it's so powerful. And I, and I like, thank you. I'm just, I'm loving this. I really appreciate how open you're being. And I, I want to talk about like the joy of cooking and the joy of food because I full transparency am not someone who loves to cook. I love to eat and I'll happily do all the dishes and I'll set the table and I'll even go grocery shopping, but I wouldn't say I'm the most confident person in the kitchen. And it's definitely like, I sometimes look at it like a chore, like I'll have to make, I have to meal prep for the week. I mean, how can we start bringing a little bit more joy? joy into the kitchen, especially for people like me that are like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Would you say that your lack of confidence in the kitchen is what robs you of the joy of doing it? Is that what you feel? I think so. Because I wish I could just have someone else cook for me, basically. Like I want to like, I want to sit and eat and enjoy it, but the actual cooking process, I don't have a lot of confidence in my abilities to make, you know, yummy, yummy foods that are going to make me feel awesome. It's interesting. I think that that is something that's a growth opportunity for you, for anybody who is in this position, because I have a lot of friends who are similar. They love to eat. They can cook like maybe half of a thing or something like that, but they're not really, it's a chore because they're, they feel lost. And what I say to that, and I'm going to put my teacher hat on with that is that You just have to go in and not be afraid of making mistakes. Like have, have that Uber eats order, like locked and loaded, almost ready to press confirm, try something out, like really, you know, give, give some effort. And then if it doesn't work out, know that I have another option. Like, like my life does not depend on this, but, um, I love that you're asking that because there's a little project that I'm working on where I'm really hoping to be able to help people with this because I want to take away that intimidation of being comfortable in the kitchen. Because one thing that I noticed um, from going to Le Cordon Bleu compared to um, the college that I went to was I really learned like in Toronto at the school, I got a whole recipe before going into the lab, into the practicum where you actually cooked what you saw the chef make. Whereas in Paris, you've got weights and measures in French on one column and in English on the other. The steps you get from watching the chef make that bouffe bourguignon that he just demonstrated, and you take notes, add tomato paste when this, that, the other thing. So then when you go into the actual kitchen and you're cooking, all you have is your ingredients and your notes. So you really, we really had to start to internalize like when to do a thing. So now I'm so comfortable that I can pretty much read most recipes of things that I'm comfortable with, I guess, pastry, like crazy puff pastry, Ah, you know, not my strength, buy it, not broken, don't fix it. But I can read an ingredient list and be like, okay, I know what to do with this recipe. I don't need to read it. Um, And I kind of want to get people 
who are interested to that place of being able to cook from their gut, to look at what you have in your fridge, in your cupboard, and be like, I can make something delicious with that. That it's would just be my dream. Like, I yeah. want to do that. Yeah, because it's really just a function of, and my thing is like, I understand the intimidation. I, I've been new at things many times and it is so uncomfortable. It's brutal. But without going through that, you don't get to the other side. And I say this, it's like, don't think that you have to be able to cook everything. You don't need to because you don't like to eat everything. So as long as you know how to do a good version of the things you, your partner, your household enjoy, you're good. Like you're your own rock star in that way. You know, there are, there are ingredients that I don't cook with. I hate cilantro. It's never going to be in any of my recipes, like burn all the fields. I don't want it. And does that limit me? No, I find swaps and whatnot, but you know, I, I don't care if that's what other people yeah. find delicious. Like my recipes are very personal. I make what I think is delicious. And I think that if you are making things in a way that are good for you, like stop there. And I feel like that's great advice for life. Like it, this but is what especially it is. in the yeah. kitchen, like you have to do what feels good for you, whether it's in relationships at work, the clothes that you wear, what you post on social media or what you have fun in the kitchen with, it has to be enjoyable, exciting and intriguing for you. And I think the whole thing with looking at a recipe and not necessarily needing to follow it step by step, but just knowing it in your gut is you're more invested in it. You kind of like, it becomes this integral thing with like you in the kitchen, you become one. Yeah. Um, so I know you'll never cook with cilantro, but what would you say is your favorite <laughs> thing to make? I mean, I, I honestly don't really have favorites because I, I just cook what I feel like it's very mood based or yeah. what I'm craving. Um, but something we tend to crave a lot in my house, like I love pasta. I love pasta, but the way that I like pasta is not, I don't want a pile of red sauce. I don't want a pile of any sauce. I want to like build like what I call like, like sexy jacket sauce where it's like yummy things in a pan. And it kind of just like coats the pasta nicely, you know, like more like olive oil based with maybe a touch of cream, pasta water, like that kind of thing. And like that, that technique, that way of cooking it is like something that if you don't have exactly what my recipe says, you can make it work with salami instead of pancetta or bacon. And, you know, it's very like, I try to communicate that in my recipes. Um, but then other times I'm, I'm in like a big salad mood and I want like yummy meal salad. So I'll make like a really good dressing. So right now I'm really enjoying my version of uh, a certain honey chipotle vinaigrette that is oh. available. <laughs> so that's, that's on the menu for tonight. Um, I'm, I'm honestly yeah. just salivating over here now. I don't know if I want honey or salad or pasta, or if I just want to go shopping <laughs> for sexy jackets. Like I'm just, my brain is confused and excited. Um, Wow. Okay. Amazing. I, I like, can't wait to try to recreate some of your recipes. The last thing I want to ask you, because you are someone we've said throughout this chat, you've lived many lives, you've done mm -hmm. already many careers. Um, but it feels like you are now living your dream life, doing your dream career. And that is a terrifying and inspiring thing for so many people <laughs> listening who are not necessarily unhappy doing what they're doing, but they know there's something else out there that is their thing that's going to light their soul on fire. What is your piece of advice for someone who 
knows there's something else out there that's calling them, but maybe is feeling a little bit nervous about taking a chance on themselves and catering that 60 person dinner. (laughs) I, we have to be okay with mistakes. We have to be okay with trying something and realizing, Ooh, I didn't do that well, or you know what? That's really not for me. Um, There was a quote that I, or quote, well, no, there was a, a question that Deepak Chopra was asked on Twitter like 12 years ago that I've never forgotten. And somebody had asked him, you know, I'm having a hard time. I don't feel inspired by my, by my career, by my job. You know, I want to do this other thing, but I have a family to support. And his Deepak's answer was that, you know, you, you, you are missing the joy that your stable income, that your regular job is giving you, what, what it's allowing for your life, taking care of your family, going on that twice a year vacation, doing what it is. You, you are making the mistake of thinking that your passion has to be the biggest piece of your puzzle. It doesn't, it just has to exist. So what I would say to anybody who is, you know, feeling like there's something else is, you know, cover your bases pay your bills. There's no need to be like extreme and just like quit everything and go. I don't really recommend that because you don't want to feel that unstable, but make space for finding out what that other thing is in your spare time, throw some things at the wall, see what's, you know, really lighting you up and spend some time with that. Dedicate a certain amount of time. So if you know you work eight to four every day, okay. So for an hour or two, a night or every other night, like do your watercolor painting, get in the kitchen and try making that sourdough, make some space for it and then see where it takes you. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, But I also say to people, be comfortable with having more than one career because I grew up with the idea that in high school, before you go to college, university, or go into whatever field you want to go into, that decision is made and that's it. And case in point, looking at my life, you know, you can do more than one thing. So do that thing for a minute and know that at some point you can pivot and do something else. Like life is short, but life is also long. So do it all. And the way that I try to live my life is like, if I have the luxury of, of growing old, I want to be sitting in my rocking chair, smiling, laughing to myself at all the things I did and all the things that I tried. And, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned in the things that don't work well. Just you'll be scared, but do it anyway. Guys, Cammy not only cooks, she also dishes out amazing <laughs> life advice. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Look, when you've launched that secret project you're working on, we can reconnect and do a nice part two and talk all about it. I can't wait to do that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a lovely conversation. Well, well, well. Who else is feeling fired up and inspired after that chat? Yeah, same here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but just like that, Another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast in the books. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. And look, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a cute little comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week. Brought to you by Clarence.